Wordslingers, welcome back to another week of the Wordslinger podcast. I'm glad you joined me. Now, we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine. He's a local to me. We're talking to Matthew Thrush. And we're going to be talking about uh, making a six-figure income through ghostwriting. So you're going to want to hang around. This is just in time for Halloween. See you on the other side. It's the Word Slinger Podcast, where story matters. Build your brand. Write your book. Redefine who you are. It's all about the story here. What's yours? Now, here's the guy who invented pants optional, Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Word Slinger. Well, I am Kevin Tomlinson, the Word Slinger. Uh, I may not be the world's only Word Slinger, but I'm the only one I know about. So, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is this is gonna be another great uh, great week for the Word Slinger podcast. Uh, I'm talking to Matt, Matthew Thrush, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to but I don't know why I would butcher the name Matthew, but I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, <laughs> I'm talking to Matthew Thrush. He is a this is a great guy. Now he and I met a few years ago. Um, he uh, was he had self published a uh, I believe is a YA uh, post apocalyptic story I believe uh, sorry Matthew if I'm completely bombing that but um, anyway we got to hang out we did a we did a uh, book signing and a, kind of an author speaking gig together at a high school in Angleton Texas and uh, we've we've become fast friends now he's on to something kind of cool he's he's actually built a business around um, oh. Just had a plane fly over. <laughs> uh, did you hear that? I heard that. Uh, anyway, he's built a business around doing uh, ghostwriting for people. Now, I've tried this. I've done this a couple of times. I like kind of the idea of it. Um, this idea of someone paying you to. It's like having a patron uh, who gives you money up front to write a book. But the uh, downside for me is maybe maybe I'm just too narcissistic. Maybe I'm just too self-aggrandizing i'm not sure but <laughs> this isn't my book and so i don't get to just do what i want i only get to promote it the way i want however however if i were doing this uh if i needed to do something like this in order to uh make an income from my writing if i were not particular about my name appearing on the cover of these books um this is a great source of income there are people who are doing this uh making a fantastic living Matthew is one of those people. I mean, he's doing six figures. You're going to get to hear his story. So um, I think this is fantastic. I can't wait to see. He's in, He's got a program now that's meant to help people get into this. So that's what we're here promoting. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. Uh, let me just read the topic to you. I mean, er, earning six figures is easier than someone thinks. Why they should consider it and how to find clients and get paid. And he's got a program that's going to help you do just that. Um, really impressed by this. So we're going to dive right in to this interview with Matthew Thrush and learn how you can do, how you can create your own six-figure ghostwriting business. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, uh, sticking around through the intro, and uh, you're coming in on a great interview. I'm talking to, he's, he's become a good friend of mine, uh, Matthew Thrush. He's an author. Uh, he's also doing something very cool. I know you're going to want to hear all the details. I'm probably going to get a thousand emails after this interview, Matthew. But Matthew is a uh, he's the co-founder of Six Figure Ghostwriter. He's a number one best-selling author of over 50 books. 
and he's a top-ranked ghostwriter and writing coach who specializes in mentoring aspiring writers to scale to six figures with ghostwriting. Man, that is a uh, that's a that's a big one. That's a that's a big ask right there. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey. Well. Hey. I can deliver. You can deliver. Yeah. And uh, you and I have, we've talked about this sort of off the record so far. So it's good to good to get you in front of the camera because um, I know there are a lot of you know as well as I do there are a lot of authors who listen to the show. Uh, most people, when they think about being an author, they're thinking about getting their name on a book that's going to be front facing at Barnes and Noble or uh, is going to top, you know, the New York Times list or something like that. Um, so ghostwriting is something that's it's come up before. I've talked to people about ghostwriting before. Uh, but what is it about your approach that, well, first of all, let's, let's, let's dive into what you've started here. Six-figure ghostwriter. That's a, that's a big claim. Yeah. How did, how did you get, how did you get to that? What's, what's your story, man? <laughs> so I'll, I'll briefly start with how I got there personally, and then I'll kind of, I can shift in a little bit if you want in terms of the actual program and why we promise what we promise kind of deal. Right. So initially <clears throat> I had, and I, I still do, I had the goal and the dream, which most writers do, which is write your own books, sell millions, have them turn into movies, be famous in that nature, make a good living off of it. Right. And like you said, have your books in Barnes and Noble and other and store shops, or if you go to an airport, you can see it and everyone's talking about it. You know, I have that dream and I had it before, but I, my ultimate dream was to write full time, write yeah. books full time. So in March, 2017 is whenever I made this commitment and goal to myself was I'm going to give, basically the goal was I'm going to quit my job by the end of the year to write novels full time. So that gave me 10 months to do it. I actually did it in less than four months. And I actually could have quit after two months, but I still was a little worried and fearful and had a little bit of a scarcity mindset still. Yeah. And I allowed myself two more months as buffer. And then I quit my job as a technical writer to do this full time because I was then at the time making over $10,000 per month. And that was more than double what I was getting as a technical writer. So basically it was like, Hey, this is a good option yeah. for me to do it. Yeah. You, so I mean, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So in terms of the six figure ghostwriter mentoring program, yeah. that is a 12 month mentoring program specifically designed to get people landing their jobs, landing jobs within weeks, not months. So even though it's a 12 month program, the goal is help you find work fast, right? scale up to six figures as quickly as possible. And we're, we're trying to do that within the first few months or less. The rest of the time for the 12 month program is basically tweaking minor, you know, coaching and things of that nature as needed kind of deal to help you scale up to six figures. Cause the goal is by six months, you're on your way to six figures by the end of the year kind of deal. Yeah. So, and all of that is just based off of my personal method that I did to do it in less than four months. Right. And, and you, so I already know it works because it works for me. And then I've right. already been helping people and it's worked for them. So it works. Yeah, you said you started, you basically started off as a technical writer. Uh, were you working for someone or were you freelance or how was that working out? So as a technical writer, I actually worked, it was a corporate job. So I worked for a company called CPanel. They're an IT and web hosting company. So I worked for, it was a typical, well, when I say nine to five job, I'm using that as a blanket statement of a typical full-time job. Right. I actually worked different hours because it was flexible, but basically that's what it was, was a typical nine to five kind of job. You commute to work, 
go there and then commute back, things of that nature. So it was a standard job. It wasn't freelance. Right. What kind of, what kind of uh, technical writing were you doing? Manuals or? or I was doing a lot of manuals, a lot of uh, programming, coding type of how-to stuff. And we call them like APIs and basically instructional guides, things of that nature for the user. And so it was either internal or external documentation. So it was good stuff. I liked my job. I had good, it was, it was good pay and I liked who I worked with. It just wasn't the dream. Right. Right. But it it was a step toward, I mean, you wanted to write full time. So that was writing full time. You had the, we had very similar uh, experiences there. I mean, that's how I ended up as a copywriter for most of my career uh, because at least it was writing, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. I had the exact same mentality was to say, I want to write full time. And as long as I'm writing, yeah, that's still writing full time. It's just, as I kind of developed that dream, it was all right, more specific. Hey, more specifically, I want to write full-time novels. And so the technical writing was just, I'm developing my craft still. I have a job. I can pay for things while I experiment and get this up. And yeah. so as long as you're writing, technically you're writing full-time. It just may not be what your ultimate goal is. Well, and I like how you said you, you I wanted to be more specific and full-time. I wanted to write novels, but you were you were specific, (laughs) but but did you mean at that time, I want to write novels for other people? Yeah, I didn't think so. (laughs) No. So I guess I said I was specific. That's one thing that you learn is as you develop and learn and meet people and find mentors, things of that nature and develop as a person, you learn about different opportunities. And so that at the time, my specificity was write novels full time. Right. I thought was being super specific, which it was, but there could be more specificness to it. And that was where ghostwriting came about in terms of, oh, I, instead of this, ghostwrite novels for other people, clients, yeah. publishers, businesses, things of that nature. Yeah. Now, so um, I, I know that I personally, I took a lot of uh, the, the experiences I had as a copywriter uh, fed into the rest of my career. Um, because I was writing and I was doing marketing work, you know, that's helped me quite a bit as an author, but the discipline of having to hit deadlines, having to be concise, that sort of thing, that, that stuff I carried over from copywriting. And I imagine it was pretty much the same for you uh, or possibly exactly the same for you. (laughs) I would say, you know, basically the principle or the root behind every life lesson is Mm -hmm. similar. It's just how you learned it and how it shaped you is slightly different and unique to each person. So for me, it's the same as you as, you know, technical writing, you can't be flowery and fluffy like you do with books because you, for books, you have to kind of add that fluff in there to kind of get it to be whatever. But with technical writing, it's, and even with copywriting, you have to be pretty on point, short, narrow it down kind of deal. So if nothing else, you know, I'm very descriptive. That's just how I think. And that's how I write. So technical writing actually helped me hone that better. So while I can still be descriptive, but make it a little bit sharper because of technical writing. And then, you know, naturally if you're writing, whatever kind of writing it is, you're going to get your writing skills better anyway. Right. And then you have deadlines and you're doing it for someone else's requirements and needs. In essence, you're writing to market because you have to write what the user or your company wants. So in essence, you're kind of learning how to write the market already right. for that topic. So if nothing else, you know, even if you're not doing a writing job, you're still learning things that you can use within your actual field of writing books. Did you find that transition uh, to be difficult to go from technical writing to, to writing novels? Nope, not at all. I, mean, I think primarily just because, it was harder for me to 
do technical writing than novel writing only because of how my brain thinks. Like I said, I'm very analytical. I'm very detail-minded. So that's just how I think. That's how I perceive the world. And whenever I see something, my mind just goes off in a whole bunch of tangents, and I start imagining stuff. So it's naturally geared towards the creative side of things, whereas technical writing is more technical, structural, factual type of things. Right. And so the transition was easier just because my natural personality fits with the creative side. Right. Right. And I was, and I was doing it at the time. Anyway, I was writing my own stuff at the time. And then as before I actually quit, I was doing ghost writing on the side as well. So naturally I was already doing it in my off time, which kind of helped with the transition. So what was it that, that nudged you into ghost writing though? Like you're writing novels. Now you and I met, um, and I don't remember the specifics, man, but I, I do know that you were, you had published at least one book by that point. Uh, you were promoting, we spoke at a, a high school together, uh, little things like that. Uh, I think we met at a conference at one point. I don't remember. Were we at Comic Palooza? Were you at Comic Palooza? I, I don't know if I met you. I didn't meet you there officially. I met you through a mutual friend. I don't even know how we met through the mutual. Oh, here's how it was. I work with someone who knew you and he said, Hey, I know this author guy that writes similar books to you. You should talk to him. I reached out to you. I Facebook stalked you or something like that. And then somehow we got like a, a joint mutual like book signing slash mentoring coaching kind of gig at your old high school that you used to teach at. Yeah. And then I kind of spurred from there. So Yeah. yeah, at the time I was focusing on my own stuff. You know, and at the time I hadn't, obviously I hadn't quit my technical writing. I was still doing that. I was just writing my own stuff on the side to kind of build up to it. Cause that's what I wanted to do. Right. So I had a few different books published already. A few of them were from a small press. So traditionally published in a sense, but I was trying the self-publishing route because, you know, I tried the traditional, it didn't really work out so much for me. Obviously I wasn't putting as much effort into it too. So kind of my fault right. too, but go self, uh, self-publishing was a huge option. So I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. So I was focusing on it. And whenever you and I met, it was whenever I had done my 12 month experiment to see if writing was actually something I could do, would want to do and wouldn't be burnt out. And so whenever right. I met you it was kind of towards the tail end of my 12 month experiment, which happened to be the story, the book that I was sharing with those people there, I call it 2136, which is what kickstarted my my whole passion of I can do this. I'm going to right. make this work before I even found out about ghostwriting. But then how did you, how'd you fall into the ghostwriting thing? Like what was the, the trigger moment that brought you into that? So <laughs> I was giving self-publishing a go and it wasn't going bad. It, I mean, honestly, it was good. I see my, I have high expectations for myself. I'm very competitive. So when I say it wasn't you know bad, it's just, it might be good for someone else, but for me, it wasn't what I was trying to achieve. Yeah. And so for me, it was still a hobby. And to me, a hobby is it's not bringing enough, I'm bringing in enough income for you to live off of, to, to right. break even at the minimum, to pay all your expenses. So it wasn't bringing in enough for that. It was bringing in some, which was nice, but not enough. And so I was in the, in the process of like, well, all right, well, I'm giving this a shot. I know people like my writing. I know I can do it how do I get this to go more to make this a full-time income? And then I, one night was watching a movie called Ghost Rider with okay. Ewan, Ewan McGregor in it. I have no idea what the movie ended up being about because within the first few minutes, it was like I had an epiphany. And so it was like, God said, Hey, Matthew, here's the answer for you. Be a ghost writer. Yeah. 
you know, why not ghostwriting? I didn't even know ghostwriting really existed at the time necessarily. I mean, you know, there's some things in life that you know are there, they exist, but right. not really within your conscious frame of mind of thinking, hey, right. this you is an option. You know, connected so to there, your own experience. At that yeah, point. exactly. So at that point, it was like, God's like, hey, Matthew, here's the answer to what you're looking for. Yeah. So I spent the entire movie researching ghostwriting, what it is, what they do, what they charge, how to find jobs, things of that nature. I just spent the whole movie researching it. And then by the time, by the time the movie was done, I had enough information to know, hey, this is what I need to do. Wow. And then I went up and after that, obviously, I took different steps to kind of, all right, well, how to find those clients and start doing the work, things of that nature. And so, you know, I can shed some light too in terms of how I decided to actually give it a run. Because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, it came down to the numbers. Yeah, I, uh, people like numbers. Okay, I'm not so, a big fan, but we we should talk about them. <laughs> okay, so during that whole that's that was a high level recap of kind of how I transitioned from self published my own stuff to ghostwriting. But within that whole frame of mind was okay. I knew how traditional publishing worked, and it's a great option for a few people, but not for most people. Self-publishing is a great option for a larger span of people, but it's difficult. So I think if I remember the numbers correctly in terms of research, I think it was like less than 1% of authors that self-publish or even traditionally publish make over $1,000 in the lifetime of their books or something like that. Right. I think that's roughly close enough to what the statistic was. So that alone right there said that I was at a huge disadvantage already. Now, the fact that it's 1% means people are doing it. So That's it means right. I, it was, it's possible. It's just unlikely unless there's a lot that goes into it. So I was like, all right, well, that's, I know what that is now at least. What would that, so my, at the time my goal was quit my job, write full time, writing novels, earning six figures. So 100K for a year. Mm -hmm. So in order to figure out, all right, well, I know the 1% make you know a thousand dollars lifetime so okay i know that but what if i was one of the one percent how many books would i need to sell to earn that 100k and it came to roughly and so i did it based off of all right well if i sell a book for 2.99 at 70 percent royalties how many do i need to sell it became to roughly forty-eight thousand books mm -hmm. and so i knew how many i was selling at the time i also knew the percentage of people who actually do something like that or more. And I was like, all right, well, it's possible, but holy crap, that's going to be really difficult to sell 48,000 copies of books. If you don't really have a platform, you're not a well-known author, things of that nature. It's possible, but it's difficult. So at least I had a starting point. Right. Then I took my new idea of ghostwriting. All right. Now I know all that. <clears throat> you know, let's look at this other option that I didn't really know beforehand, but now is an option. What would I need to do? how many books would I need to write per month or just in journal to make the hundred K with that? Mm -hmm. And so at the time I knew, so the top three things I basically tell people that you have to know to even figure if that's a possible possibility for you is how many words do you write per day average? How many words per month do you write per average without burnout? And then know how much to charge per word. Mm -hmm. Know all three of those things as an average, then you know your starting point of what you, how you can achieve it, if you can achieve it. So at the time, right. I knew I could write, <clears throat> excuse me, 150,000 words per month minimum without burnout because I was already doing it. And that was part of my 12 month experiment. It was 1,500 words a day minimum, which quickly grew up to 5,000 words plus a day. And that's mm -hmm. how I knew what my minimum was. So 
<clears throat> that was all before this. So I knew, all right, 150,000 words, that's my minimum. Okay, so how much do I need to charge per word to get me to my 100K mark? So I started with two cents a word, you know, keeping it pretty conservative. I was like, you know, I could probably get something for two cents a word. That's pretty low on the low end of things for ghostwriters. Did that, found out what it was, and real quickly, just so people can know what the, so they don't have to do the math, that would be $3,000. Two right. cents a word for 150. So that's $3,000. So at the time, my expenses were all 5,000 roughly a month. I always round up. So 5,000 a month was my expenses. That's 401k savings, any money leaving your account, that's an expense. That's how I see it. So right there that told me, all right, well, it's really good. $3,000 is a, is, a, is a lot. I like that. I could pay almost all of my expenses, but it's not quite breaking even. I need to at least break even, but in order to quit, I need obviously more than breaking even to make it worthwhile, especially to convince my wife that, Hey, quitting my full-time job's a good, a good idea. You know, so I, umped, I ramped it up to, all right, well, what if I charged three cents a word yeah. at my current output, you know, and now obviously that's a little bit more and that's 4,500. So now I'm pretty much at my breaking even point. So right. now I know I have to charge at least three cents a word to break even and that'll be okay. But I also knew that that's not what I wanted. I wanted to live an abundant life, freedom of choice and time. And I knew my wife wouldn't be okay with breaking even to quit right. my job. So I said, okay, well, what if I charged five cents a word? And now I was like, oh man, that seems like a lot. There's no one, no one's going to pay me five cents a word. That's going to be crazy, you know? But I said, all right, what, what is it? That is 7,500. All yeah. right, so I, I actually did it for 160K because I was actually writing more than 150,000 words. So 160,000 words would be 8,000. So right there, it's a 3,000 surplus over my, my rounding up expense thing. So I knew, okay. I have to charge at least five cents a word to reach my hundred K goal. And so basically if I already knew I'm writing 150, 160,000 words a month, that could either be one book that gets me my goal. Mm -hmm. Or if I break it into two books, that's two books a month to get me, to get me to my goal. So basically that allowed me to know, all right, I only need to write one or two books roughly per month to earn a hundred K. Right one or two books a month is significantly easier than 48,000 books that I'd have to sell on my own doing everything. Whereas yeah. with ghostwriting, all I have to do is write it. I don't have to worry about marketing. I don't have to promote it. I don't have to do editing, formatting, cover design, everything that goes into it. I don't have to worry about it. I just have to write the book and I don't even have to worry about if it sells. I yeah. just write it. They just pay me up front and I'm done. Case closed. Obviously, if you write a good book and it sells well, they're going to keep hiring you on but you that's a secondary thing you don't have to worry about that initially it's just so right off the bat i knew well this is a no-brainer ghost writing is the way for me personally to reach my goal the ultimate goal was to remind everybody quit my job write novels full-time earning six figures yeah you now know? it is worth pointing out though because you you kind of brushed against this a little but uh there's no residual to this so that's the trade-off, right? Yep. You yep. don't have the marketing. You don't have to worry about pushing it. You don't even have to worry whether or not it sells. You made your money on the front end. So that's, that's the trade because if you're publishing uh, either, either uh, as a self-published author or as a traditionally published author, all those things uh, are very important to you. So I can, I can see the appeal of that, but then there's also 
I, well, maybe it's not a downside if you invest properly, but I mean, you're not getting any residual off of it, right? Yeah. So that is one thing whenever I'm someone's wanting to get into my coaching program or just asking me in general about ghostwriting, I try to tell them yeah. all sides of the, of the spectrum as much as I can think of, because I thought the same way. I looked at every single avenue or vantage point that I could think of, of, all right, well, if I do ghostwriting, I've reached my goal way faster and easier, but if I stop ghostwriting, the income disappears. There's no yeah. passive income stream coming in. So it's kind of like you have to decide, well, what's the most important initially short-term uh, short to help you get to the long-term goal? So obviously the long-term would be you have a good abundance of uh, passive income coming in to where you work minimally and you're still getting good stuff. So what I thought was, and this is how I decided it for myself, and it's an option for anyone else, is use ghostwriting as a short-term thing mm -hmm. where, hey, you get that money up front to cover all your expenses and have surplus, and then you can use it to fund your own books. And right. Another thing that I used it for was to develop my craft. So it's basically free training, free education. Someone's paying me better than get, free. To, yeah. Get, yeah. It's better than free. They're actually, it's not only free, but they're paying me really well. Right. To write to get better, to learn my craft. So I can keep reading, go to seek mentors, do conferences, whatever it is, and actively write. Cause as you write, you get better naturally. So it's like, okay, well I'm going to keep getting better. I can work on my own stuff on the side and keep promoting that too. But at the time, this is basically funds to provide for all of that. So, you know, a big struggle that I had and a lot of people have is I understand that you need to market your books, but I don't have any money to market it. I need to make some sales so I can get money to market my books. So, and so basically ghostwriting allows you that opportunity as well as, you know, it's, you know, you need market for your own stuff. You get paid up front. You can pay all your bills and have surplus and then use that to actually use for your own stuff. That way it allows you to have the choice of, well, do it short term so that you can build up your stuff for yourself, publishing your own stuff and mm -hmm. then go that route if you want to. Otherwise you could just go right as long as you want because it pays so well. Yeah. There's people, there are definitely people who are doing that. That's their living, you know? Oh um, yeah. They, they are, they're doing even better than I am. I I'm doing awesome and they're doing even better than I am because it's, and I, I guess how you can see it is it's just like any other job. You know, mm -hmm. someone's paying you for a service kind of deal and you're providing, even if you're publishing your own stuff, in essence, you're doing, someone's paying you for your service because if those readers stop buying, then your passive income is gone. So in essence, no matter what you're doing, you're doing it for someone else kind of deal. It's just depends on how you perceive it and how it right. structures towards your lifestyle that you want. Now you, um, you're doing this and are you, do you have the time and energy to write your own stuff uh, between books or, or are you still doing that? So in the beginning, <laughs> so in the beginning, when I first started this, I was writing four to five books a month on average for ghostwriting. So that left basically no time for my own stuff. And at the time it was okay because, you know, the money was coming in nice and mm -hmm. that spoke volumes to me at the time because it allowed me to do a lot of different things. Right. Currently, I've actually been able to scale down in terms of workload, but increase rate. So that's one thing that you can do too as you're going is as you get better, as you become in higher demand and people are contacting you, you're not even looking for people, they contact you or referrals, then you can charge more for less work. And so you can take right. on stuff. So that's kind of where I'm at, I'm at now is I can take on, I, have, I don't have to take on as much stuff. 
I get paid the same or more depending on what it is. And so and that's why I'm transitioning into coaching other people because people are asking me questions. But in terms of working on my own stuff, I'm doing more of that now because I have the time to do it. And because while I love the ghostwriting, I love coaching people more. And it would be nice also in, in order on, on top of those things that increase my own passive incomes where, you know, if I wanted to take a break for a few months to do something, I don't have to write any books. Yeah. But that's a good, that's actually a good lesson for people who are thinking about this. Like you're, you, you're, you've spent all the time and energy up front mm -hmm. to build the foundation so that you've got something you can offer that you can work into a passive income. So it's not just, you know, I'm going to, yep. I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a hundred grand a year and then I can kick back. I mean, you got to put in the, the sweat equity uh, up front. Yeah, it's, it's, it's for anything, anything. If yeah. you want to make it as a self-publisher, I'm a self-published author and doing things with your own books, you're going to have to invest a lot of time and energy and learning and resources to make that possible. It's the same thing for anything. So for ghostwriting, it just happened to be that I made the decision personally to invest most of my time right. into really doing that's why i challenge myself to you know like i said i only need to write one or two a month to reach my goal but i challenge myself to do more so i could get to a bigger goal mm -hmm. faster so i sacrificed for those first few months writing a ton of books more than i needed to to basically earn a surplus to then use for other things down the road and that's kind of where i'm at now is because of that initial sacrifice in terms of time right now I am reaping the rewards of that hard work to be able to die down the work level while still maintaining higher rates because now I've basically developed my ghostwriting platform, I'll say, mm -hmm. to where clients are coming to me. Right. And that's an easier thing to do. And then, you can, and then you can pick and choose to be selective of what you want to do and charge higher rates and then pay you for it. And which gives you more freedom. So it's the same thing for anything. If you're self-publishing, you work really hard in the beginning to establish your foundation. Once you get a pretty good foundation set, mm -hmm. so for self-publishing, it's, you know, have, have a platform. So you, maybe you have 10,000 or 1,000 avid fans. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number that people tend to go with. 1,000 avid fans and you basically are good to go. You know, once you do all the work initially, get all that stuff, then you still have to put in work, but it's easier as you go because now you're used to it. You've developed it. You just have to kind of minorly tweak things. And that's kind of how it is for mm -hmm. ghostwriting and writing your own stuff. So that's where I'm at now because of the initial sacrifice. Yeah. And you, you, you know, we, you mentioned that, you know, you don't have to do the marketing for your books. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're not marketing uh, because yeah. you are actually having to go out and find these clients. Uh, and some of the marketing is, is just do the work, right? You've, yeah. you spend all that time and energy cranking out a few books each month so that you'd have um, a reputation, social credibility, in other words, and uh, you're getting referrals and that sort of thing. So some of the marketing was done up front, but you're, you're continuously having to go out and find the clients. Though. Yeah. So in the beginning, so with ghostwriting, the marketing's different to where you're not like paying for ad. I mean, you can, but you're not necessarily paying for ads to find clients to pay you to write their books. So for self-publishing, you're paying people to find your book and things of that nature. So it's a little right. different, but with ghostwriting, yes, you're still marketing, but it's, it's kind of marketing yourself mm -hmm. sort of to a degree. So it, there's a site called Upwork, which I would highly recommend for anybody that wants to do any kind of freelance work. 
even if you don't want to do it full time, because there's millions of jobs on there to do. And that's what I use to find clients because there's a ton of them that on there just for books. And so right. my marketing came down to how did my profile look that basically displayed my experience, my skill, wh who I am as a person so they could know if they, if I basically would do what they wanted, you know, hire, basically the goal was if they hired me, they need to understand that the world's not about to explode in the end if they hire me. That's the whole point of the profile and the proposal. And so the profile was like the initial marketing, kind of like a passive marketing type of thing. And then the proposals were like an active marketing of, I found the job posting. If they didn't invite me, I found the job posting. I read it. I like it. Fits with my skills. Okay. And then I kind of pitch myself to them kind of deal mm -hmm. of how, how I can help them, why they should hire me to help them. You know, I'm basically presenting value because it's never about the cost. It's all about how much value can you give them, which is the same thing for your own books. If you're selling books, you're presenting value. Mm -hmm. So as long as you focus on the value, you get the stuff. And so that's kind of where the marketing was is it's a different approach to marketing. Right. But it's still the same principle kind of deal. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, 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 and naturally, because you're submitting proposals and you, you don't have to actively find the clients. The clients are already there on Upwork. You just have to find the ones that you like that match. Yeah, that, you. And then you send them a, a proposal. So in essence, it's easier. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, w wouldn't it be nice if we could do that with readers? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if you, you already had like a huge millions of readers and you just could go through and pick and select the hey, ones man. that fit with what you do. There's i uh, I'm claiming this, I'm calling it. Uh, but, uh, there's the, there's the next billion dollar idea, man. Uh, Upwork yeah. for readers, Upwork for, you yep. know, or you can pitch your readers, stuff to readers, readers go on and they say what kind of book they want to read. And then you come along and say, I have a book like that. <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to read it? <laughs> Do you want to read it? No. Something tells me it wouldn't Excuse be me. quite that uh, streamlined. So um, that's cool, man. You so and you've got a uh, a process now for the ghostwriting, right? In terms of how I go about yeah finding clients or writing books. What do you mean? The the actual writing part of it. Finding clients, I think um, that's okay. that's a suit to taste kind of thing. Uh, I think that you know you're using Upwork, and you could probably use other other means as well. Oh yeah, there's a lot and of other places. You mentioned advertising, and I gotta tell you, man. I mean, I was a copywriter for more than you know for like 20 years, and uh, I never got a client from advertising that was any good ever. <laughs> if I had placed an ad and got a client for copywriting. They, they were never a good client and I never worked with them after that one initial time. Well, the cool thing though about Upwork that I'll, I'm going to pitch it to people just because roughly 50% of my income comes from it now. 100% of it came from the beginning. So mm -hmm. it's huge. It's a very valuable resource. So I encourage people to use it or sites like it because clients came to there. Right. They wrote the, their that's job. That's the kind of marketing. They're they all, they they're already asking. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're, so if you're doing an ad like you said for copywriting, so you're pitching your services to people and they have to see it and then come to you. Yeah. So in essence, you're, you have to work harder to find someone or the right people because they, yeah. they're not already coming saying, Hey, we need this. Well, no, you, you know what it guys. is, man? You mentioned it earlier. This is in principle writing to market. Yep. Most of the time people write and they go find, they go try to find the market. You know, or they, they create a service and then they go try to find the market. That's what advertising is all about, finding the market. But what you're doing is writing to market in a sense. You're going out and finding, asking the clients 
who are already looking, what do you need? And yeah. they tell you, and then you say, I'll charge you this much. And they agree and you go. Yeah. So that's why I said it. That's why I was trying to really emphasize it's like marketing. Yeah. But not quite the same because that is they, marketing. They, they've already, they're in essence marketing themselves to you. You just have to say, yeah, I like you. Here's how I can help you. They say yes or no and you move on. Marketing at, at its heart, marketing is about finding uh, the right the right customer, basically improving your odds of uh, being picked up, of being bought, of being hired. That's all marketing is. And your, your marketing is you're improving your odds by going on Upwork and, and seeking out people who are actively looking for those. Posts. Yep. So. so basically my cost per click or cost per acquisition is really low like and good. Negative $100,000 a year. I, I don't know uh, what it is. I, I guess <laughs> it's kind of funny to do those numbers to see what it is. But bottom line is if you get one book paying you $5,000 and you submitted 50 proposals, you saw a high number, 50 proposals, and then one person, you know, that's a really good cost per acquisition that it, yeah. you know, it costs you nothing to send those proposals because you can do Upwork for free mm -hmm. to, a, to a degree. So it's free. So basically, if you land one and land any work, you're already at a surplus because it didn't cost anything to do it. So right. my, uh, my advertising on there is really uh, budgeting really well. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about the actual process of writing the books then. Okay. Um, what is your actual process of writing the books? Then? <laughs> so what I do is I figure out what they want. I close my eyes and meditate for two minutes and the story just writes itself. All right. No. That's the way that I would be nice. That's how my books are written. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Let me see how I can kind of break this down so that's a little bit more practical. You don't me. have to give trade secrets here. Oh, I, it's nothing like that. It's just right. more of, all right, I don't want to be vague and say, oh, well, I, I brainstorm about the idea. I picture it like a movie in my head and then I write it because that's not really helpful for people. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of have high level and then kind of break it down into small things that are a little bit more practical for people. So high level, how I work in terms of my mind is I think of an idea. So let's say a client says, I want you to write a post-apocalyptic story set in 23, the year 2300, half the population's gone or whatever, however much they want to tell me for the idea. Okay. Write this for me. Right. You know? And so if they t give me details like that, or they say, Hey, I just want a post-apocalyptic story. You come up with the everything else and you have creative freedom. So a lot of clients do that. So then I sit there and think, I think, all right, well, if I was going to write this story, what do one, what do readers expect? So you have to know the tropes of those genres or subgenres. Mm -hmm. And then, and then from there I go, well, are you, you always want to write to like one reader. What is your optimal reader? So my optimal reader is me. Okay. What would I like to read? Right. And that's just the easy, that's the easiest way for me to figure out what would someone want to read is, well, what would I want to read in this genre? And so I pretend that I'm writing to myself. And so that frees me up then to not be restricted on what I write. I just basically, it says, all right, I write with whatever I think is appropriate to me, you know, based off some, if you have morals where you don't want to do cursing in your books, don't do cursing. Right. If you don't want to have, you know, a lot of sex, things of that nature or make erotica, don't do it. So that's kind of what makes it easier. It frees me up to know here are my parameters that I've set for myself. Right. And I write within those things. So that's one thing that's practical for you is know what your personal restrictions are. And I don't mean restrictions is a negative thing. It's just, what are your, your guidelines of 
you know, do you like writing love scenes? Okay, write those. If you don't, don't write them. You know, if you're okay with cursing in your things, then write it. If you don't, then don't write it. And so if you set up those kind of guidelines for yourself ahead of time, then it frees you up to know exactly what you're willing to write. Because right. there's readers for everything. You could be as specific and nitpicky as you want, and there still will be people that will read it. Yeah. So in essence, you're not restricting your readership. You're actually narrowing it down, which is going to help you sell more books if you're doing your own stuff. Yeah. So, it, it, go, ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I was, I, was, I was going to say that it's surprising to me to hear you talking about writing fiction, ghostwriting fiction. Because my immediate assumption is always that ghostwriting is for nonfiction. So you have people seeking you out to write their, their novels. On yeah, that's, that's how I started was writing fiction. I'm doing a combination of fiction and, and nonfiction, more nonfiction now because it just pays more. It's a little easier, so it's less work. But starting off, and I still do, fiction writing. So, for example, let's say you were looking for a ghostwriter. Someone like you would say, hey, I want to write this series or whatever. Can you write it for me kind of deal? And then you kind of go through it and tweak it to fit your style and voice for your readership. Or yeah. there's publishing houses who are finding ghostwriters on there. I've had publishing houses hire me to write books for them, and then they, then they publish them under their pen names. And so that's kind of how it works for a fiction is it could be someone wanting to write their book for the first time. They need help. It could be a publishing house or a small press, or whatever it is, or another author like you who's doing well that just wants to produce more stuff or free up their time to do other things. Right. So that's where it started. So there's a lot of people hiring for fiction books, especially romance. Oh my gosh. If I don't write romance, I mean, I can, but I just don't enjoy it. So I don't really do it. Yeah. But if you write romance, I am telling you, call me, contact me right now. I can send you probably a ton of jobs that you could probably get depending on your writing skill. If you can write just average, you're going to get a job. You know, yeah. there's a ton of them out there. And those, those are largely small presses, yeah. publishing houses. And so that's, so yeah, it's not just nonfiction. Nonfiction right. happens to pay significantly more just because of the, the how it is. Well, it's whole, generally backed by a business. Yeah. Know, so fiction. nonfiction tends to be yeah. a business, a business owner, a corporation, a celebrity, something like that to where it's, they're not trying to use it to bring in income. I mean, books will bring in income, but for them, it's, you're going to, it's all about funneling people to their higher ticket items, you know, yeah. consulting, coaching, whatever they're selling. The book is to funnel people to that. And that's one reason why it pays more, mm -hmm. you know, so, but not fiction can pay just as well, especially if you write, you know, romance or erotica. There are some people paying 10 to 15, 25 cents a word for romance or especially like erotica or something like that, if you do it really well. So it's not to say that, you know, nonfiction pays more, all, all the time. It's just as a percentage, nonfiction yeah. will pay you more, but fiction. You and I have talked about there. this too. I, I mean, even though writing novels is what I do, I would actually find it more difficult to write a novel for somebody than to write nonfiction for them if I were doing this. Yeah. So yeah. it seems like it's just, and we talked about it because you, you just, for us, it's like if we write fiction, we're a little bit more personally invested into the characters. Right. For whatever reason, I don't even know right. why we, we, we feel that way, but we are. And with nonfiction, somehow we just tell ourselves it's kind of like we're writing a history book or something for education and I it's can, different. I, I don't really I know what I it can, is. I think I can break it down as to why that is for me, because if I'm creating fiction, it's a very personal experience, right? You're delving into yourself to 
for characterization, for even just descriptions of things. You know, this is all coming from your experience, the filter of you. Whereas if I'm writing nonfiction mm -hmm. for somebody, they're the subject matter expert. They're going to tell me what it is they need to say and how they, they need it to be perceived and what, what the goal is. I'm not, I'm not generally crafting all that from scratch. I'm working from their model. So it's their property. I'm just expressing it on their behalf. That's the way I, I perceive it. That, that's a really good way to put it. And that makes sense for me. Like yeah. even though you're not, when you're writing nonfiction, you're still putting your own agenda to keep it high level out there because you can't fully retract yourself from it. Right. But it's largely writing it within their vision. So in essence, it frees you up. So that makes sense. That's more collaborative I'll, to me. I'll, I will agree with that. Yeah. I like that. All right. Well, we're coming up on time, man. Um, this oh, has no. been, I know. These things go, they go so much faster than people think they're going to go. I remember I interviewed Steve Barry. And I, and before the, the interview, I said, um, well, I keep, you know, I did the spiel with you, but like, I keep the interview under 45 minutes, you know, and he's like 45 minutes. I hope you've, hope you've got enough questions to last that long. And before it was all said and done, I mean, he was, he went over the time. Yeah. We're, we're basically <laughs> almost there. And I felt like it was just five or 10 minutes. That's right. I feel like I'm like, did I say enough to help people do this? You totally you know, did. I need to say totally more did. so I can help them. So you're going to be introducing some, uh, uh, some materials around this, like a course and uh, some other stuff, right? Yeah. So the course is called a six figure ghostwriter. It's a 12 month mentoring program. It's by application only. So even if you wanted to pay me $50,000, you couldn't get into it unless you applied and were accepted. So, I will pay you $50,000 if you let me in this program. You know, I'd be really tempted. I'm not going to lie, but, <laughs> but because if I was, and that's one thing that's a blessing for me is that, because I'm doing well with ghostwriting stuff, I am able to then really narrow in on who I helped so that they get optimal results. So the, basically the promise is for that course is within two months of joining and being accepted, you will land your first job. Mm -hmm. Within four months, you, have, you will have be in contract or earned your investment plus 25%. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of month six, if you continue to follow what I'm teaching, things of that nature, you will be on track to earning six figures for the year. If those three things are not met, I give you your investment back and I give you an extra thousand dollars. So that's one reason why it's really selective is we're only, we can only pick on a, take on a few people at a time that are very motivated writers yeah. that want to do this because there's a lot of work involved. It's just, I'm going to give you the shortcuts to bypass a lot of the hurdles and obstacles. And I have clients already looking for people. So like we talked about earlier a little bit briefly, we alluded to it at least, is that I get a lot of invites weekly that I, mm -hmm. I've been declining or aren't a good fit for me because I'm just too busy or I, I don't want it. Right. You know, now I'm trying to give those to people. So that's why I say if you get accepted, we're moving quickly. So it's a year long program to basically help you get there to teach you how to scale your business. The whole program is for the business, but initially it's getting work fast. It's all about moving quickly. So if you're not ready to move quickly and things of that nature, then that's obviously why it's not right for you. But that's why we have the application. The yeah. application does more than just ask questions. The questions are, are strategically placed and asked to get you thinking about, is this really something that I want to do? Is this something that really could help me out? Yeah. Am I ready for it? And then based off of their responses, I learn then about them, their personality, and then how I can best help them. Right. So right. yeah. So, okay, where can people find you or the, you know, let's start with the, the, uh, the program. 
where can people? Okay. So the program six figure ghostwriter, the 12 month mentoring program, if you type in six figure slash apply, you'll get access to the application and the application doesn't cost anything. It's, it's, it's extensive. Yeah. I mean, it'll take you some time to do it, but it's intended, like I said, to get you thinking about it for yourself and then help me. And then after that, obviously, if you get accepted, you'll find out within 48 hours and then we'll walk you through that. The other option, if you aren't interested in the mentoring program, you just, maybe you're just getting started off and you haven't written a book before and you want to kind of figure it out. I also have a private Facebook group that's free to where I use it specifically for that purpose where you can come in, learn about ghostwriting. Maybe you have no idea what it is, what it entails. You can ask questions, connect with other people, things of that nature. And so I, it's basically I use it to offer advice, like high level advice, guidance, things of that nature. Sometimes I post in jobs in there that I see that might help. They're really quick jobs, things of that nature to help people out. So it's nothing super extensive like the mentoring program. The mentoring program is hands-on, walk you through it step-by-step, the whole process. Right. And the, the, the group on Facebook is basically just high level type of things on the energy to help you along the to way. But that is the Facebook group is called the author roadmap to ghostwriting. Okay. All right. Well, so we'll those, have, are two, those are basically the two options that people have if they want to consider ghostwriting. I think I have an affiliate link that I need. I probably need to throw in the mix somewhere. I need to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I can get these six-figure authors uh, paying me a little. That's my passive income stream. Yeah, hey, I mean, if you have a chance to do it, for anyone listening, if you have a chance to do it like affiliate-type programs, it's a good way to do two things. Get a little extra income as a buffer. That's always nice. But the main thing that's really nice about it is you're just helping share knowledge with people because that goes to the abundant mindset that I teach. And that's one thing I teach. I teach mindsets, things of that nature, not just practical stuff to earn six figures, but how to actually think it and you to become it you know you right. can't just make six figures if you don't believe you're capable of it so that's part of it too so affiliate type things kind of goes into that too as you're just you're sharing the abundance and wealth with others because everybody wins it's not if i help this person i lose it's no everybody can win and that's part of it so if you can do it definitely do it yeah man all right I, I am, uh, I'm going to put the affiliate version of, you can go ahead and go to the website if you feel like it folks, but yeah, but I would my affiliate link. if you're interested in, in submitting an application to the program, use his link so that he can kind of, you know, there you a, little, a little bit from it as well. So <laughs> otherwise I would encourage you to go to the Facebook group, the author roadmap to ghostwriting to learn about stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, check that out. All right, you'll find links to all that and uh, and more in the show notes of this episode. Uh, if you're on YouTube, look down below you, buddy. It's right yeah. here. Uh, and uh, hop on over to wordslingerpodcast.com. Find this episode, the interview with Matthew Thrush, and uh, you're gonna, you're definitely going to check that out. Matthew, I appreciate you being on the show, man. Uh, this was uh, a, this is inspiring. It always makes me like. Maybe I should ditch everything and go ghostwriting. Hey, you know, I'm going to try to keep convincing you. Or if nothing <laughs> else, I'm just going to be like, hey, hire me. I don't me know, man. It sounds like work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good, it is work. But the good thing is, is that if you love it, it's kind of like, well, is it really work? It's still yeah. work, but it's fun work. Yeah. I, 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 I like this as, you know, if my books ever start to kind of tank or whatever, um, this sounds like the, 
this uh, it could it could happen anything is possible anything is possible and uh this sounds like a great backup plan and heck i may do it just for the heck of it who knows just to try it out i've done some ghost writing before yeah all right man um you stick around everybody else right now you're probably hearing the groovy theme music you may dance in place at will and if you'll stick around you're going to hear some industry news and uh, some maybe some fun facts uh heck i may be doing impressions for all you know so we'll see you on the other side of this break matthew thrush matthew thrush thank you for being on the book the way it was meant to be heard with a fully custom soundtrack based on your material an album of music that perfectly fits your characters your settings hear your book today sonatainscribe.com well i hope you enjoyed that interview with matthew thrush i hope you got something useful out of that um if you're thinking about the six-figure ghostwriting uh uh, opportunity here you should reach out to Matthew you should uh, check out uh, we'll have links to his stuff in the show notes of this episode so go there um, I'm, I'm fascinated by this I'd love to hear what you think of it what do you think about the whole ghost writing uh, career and lifestyle to me it's it's uh, if you just want to make your living as a writer this is a this is a pretty dependable way to do that um, and uh, I think you know, he makes some guarantees and, and uh, some promises about the uh, program he's got. And I, you know, I've known him long enough to trust him on that stuff. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you run into people, you, you, you don't know for sure whether you should throw the kind of money at things that people ask for. Uh, I actually think that this, what he's offering is a good program at a good price, uh, especially with what he's, he's promising you'll come out with at the end. So uh, check that out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um and, uh, you know, like I said, you'll find I've got uh, links that are going to show up in the show notes. Let me see. Let me run through here real quick. Uh, you can follow him, by the way, on Twitter at at GNK01Thrush. Gink01Thrush. <laughs> I don't know what that stands for, uh, but uh, go check that out. You can check out SixFigureGhostWriter.com. Um, let him know that you, the uh, Wordslinger podcast sent you. I don't get anything out of that, but I, I like people to know when they're getting a little bit of uh, play and promotion out of the show. So <clears throat> now this, um, <clears throat> now that we've, I'm sorry, I keep clearing my throat in your my in your ear. Um, <clears throat> Going to do it one last time there. This uh, past couple of weeks has been great. I'm back from Seattle. We were in Seattle. Um, hold on, I'm going to mute you. If you were watching the video, you got to see me cough. <laughs> anyway, I'm back from Seattle. Uh, we spent a week there. Uh, we were in Seattle and Redmond. Uh, I got to tell you, that was a beautiful city. It's a the the whole area. Redmond's gorgeous. Um, it's a little pricey everywhere we went. You know, sort of if you were going to eat a meal, it's going to be like a minimum of fifteen dollars per person. So we got used to that pretty quick. But um, you know, we started looking around. I'm like. I know cost of living is higher here, but it's actually not that much higher than what I'm used to uh, where we are. We can get comparable stuff. I'm starting to look at that. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll move to Seattle or Redmond. Um, great city. Uh, had an interesting event. I had one. So Kara and I were walking back from dinner one night. We had found a coffee place. Now, here's a here's an interesting fact about Seattle. Seattle, coffee capital of the United States. Possibly the world. Starbucks is is uh, from Seattle. Uh, there's a coffee shop. There's there's usually at least two coffee shops 
in every ground floor of every building. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we were in Pioneer Square. We got a cup of coffee at the only place that was open past 6 o'clock in an entire area. Now, it's a business park kind of area. Not business park, but it, it's a lot of uh, high-rises and businesses over there. So they, they tend to close the coffee shops at 6. We found a place that was open until 6.30. So, uh, <laughs> party on. Um but we got a cup of coffee. We were walking back to our hotel, <clears throat> and uh, we're walking by the uh, the stadium, CenturyLink Stadium there, uh, where the Seahawks play, by the way. Uh, no way to miss that. And uh, this guy comes rolling up, and he's in a he's in a I think he's in a convertible, um, and he's got his stereo blaring, you know, heavy bass, serious 1990s type stuff. Okay, <laughs> we're talking about. The architecture of the buildings around us, the coffee, the, you know, the pleasant night. And this dude rolls up and says, uh, I mean, he literally pulls up, blaring his radio a few feet from us, then uh, looks up at me and gives me a sup. Sup. I'm like, sup, man. What's, what's going on? And he says, uh, yo, man, why are you looking at me? <laughs> and uh, I, I said, um. You're, uh, I, I was just looking over to see where the music was coming from, man. And he says, he squints at me and says, oh, I thought you were Mexican. And then he leaves. <laughs> now, the thing that got us was he took off his sunglasses and his eyes were all bugged out and everything. And he was seriously ready to throw down or something. So that was the one and only uh, negative experience I had in Seattle. And I thought it was kind of funny, uh, especially since this dude... Like, sopping wet was maybe 110 pounds. I, I could have broken him in half with one hand. So I wasn't entirely worried about him. And he looked crazy. I think he was on something. So uh, pot is legal in uh, Seattle, I discovered. So <clears throat> so who knows? Who knows? Pot's legal in Canada now. Ah, that's me drinking some water. Um, That's a cool story. Pot's legal in Canada. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just say, I, I have no problem with pot being legal. I think pot should be legal. Uh, I've never tried pot. I've never smoked it. I've never consumed it in any way. Um, reading up on it, I think there's probably some health benefits for uh, marijuana that, that we're missing out on. Uh, I know there are. I actually had uh, a physical therapist recommend using pot to me uh, because none of the treatments I'm getting are, are working for my neck and shoulders and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, well, maybe if they legalize it here in the Houston area or here in Texas, um, or in the U S altogether, maybe I'll give it a shot for once. Who knows? Um, so anyway, never tried it, but, um, maybe, uh, maybe the dude was on pot. I don't know. I don't know. Does pot make you crazy? I don't think pot makes you crazy like that. He must've been on something else. Something a little stronger. <laughs> Anyway, so Seattle was a blast. If you're from the Seattle area, if you gave me some tips on where to go for uh, events and activity and dinner and that sort of thing, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I hit up a bunch of people on uh, on Facebook and got a lot of uh, feedback. Uh, we did some great stuff. We went to the Space Needle, of course. Um, there's a whole little park area around there that, that actually has a very Disney vibe, we discovered. So uh, we hung out there. And uh, we went to the Mopop, to the uh, Museum of Pop Culture. Um, and specifically, I wanted to see the 
Marvel Universe exhibit there, uh, which was amazing. Uh, so we had a great time. That that was our final day. But throughout the week, you know, I wandered around the city, uh, found different coffee shops and cafes and things to write from, bookstores. Uh, went to some pretty iconic places. We were at the public market there. Um, Pike's Market, I think, is what they call it. I went to the very first Starbucks. Mecca, as I call it. <laughs> Everyone's always, uh, every time I mention Starbucks, by the way, on Facebook, everyone's like, well, get some real coffee. Go get, go get some good coffee. And uh, I'm, I don't fully disagree with you. I just, Starbucks is uh, special to me. And <laughs> I enjoyed hanging out there. So I went to the first Starbucks. I went to one of the Starbucks reserves, uh, the reserve stores, um, where you could do like a flight of coffees. And that is very different than doing a flight of beers. Uh, you come out with a very different buzz. Um, in fact, I am uh, currently I'm still in Seattle and doing this podcast from there uh, forward in time. I projected myself forward in time because <laughs> I had so much caffeine. Anyway, um, anyway, loved it. Might uh, might consider moving to that area. Uh, it's a uh, it's beautiful there. A lot of activities real close by, um, and the people were just fantastic people just nice everyone i met i mean even even bug eye guy uh apologized to us uh said he thought we were i was mexican but apologized to us and then left <laughs> oh sorry i thought you were mexican <laughs> polite thugs um anyway so uh coming up i got so i'll be uh in early november so i think in a couple of weeks actually I'll be at uh, 20 books to 50K in Vegas. I'll be hanging out with Michael Anderley and uh, uh, maybe Craig Martell. I think he had a, a family tragedy, so he may not make it there. Um, but uh, Dan Wood and uh, Mark LeFay from uh, Draft Digital will be there with me. We're gonna all, we're all going to hang out. I know uh, Diane Capri. I'm trying to get her on the show. I don't know what the hang-up there is. Um, and, you know, she's writing in the Jack Reacher universe, so... Uh, I'd really like to talk to her about that experience. Um, I'm trying to get my buddy Ernie Dempsey to go, but he's on vacation. But Nick Thacker is going to be there. Now, I have this theory because me, Ernie, and Nick can never be in the same place at the same time. We are never, we are never all three in the same place at the same time, which leads me to believe that uh, Nick and Ernie are actually the same person. <laughs> throw in some disguises uh so that's my theory uh prove me wrong nick prove that i'm prove that i'm off base one more drink of water mm. <sighs> refreshing water uh so we're gonna be there um i will be i'll be in oklahoma city in uh december for uh draft to digital draft to digital by the way this month october end of the month 28th of october we are moving our offices. We're still going to be in uh, Oklahoma City, but they'll they're going to move um, closer to downtown, downtown Oklahoma City, uh, just a you know a few minutes from Brook, Bricktown, which is where I like to hang out when I'm there. <clears throat> so if you're in Oklahoma, if you're in that that area, and you're in Oklahoma City, I'm going to be at the new offices uh, for a, a few days at least around Christmas time. Um, the 24th, I believe, or the 14th. I'll check on that. I'll get you some dates. But 
we're gonna we're gonna rock out our little Christmas party there, uh, like we do every year, and then uh, we'll. Uh, I'm gonna just gonna hang out. I'm gonna be at the offices, and if you happen to live or work in that area, uh, maybe we can get together, and have a little dinner or something. Uh, it is gonna be the week preceding the 14th, and then my wife will fly up on that day, probably the 13th, which is a Thursday, and then we'll uh, we'll be together through. We'll, we're going to come home on Saturday, but I'm going to actually drive to Oklahoma City this time. Um, I think I got to get a hotel though. I just remembered. Uh, but yeah, our Christmas party will start right around then, and uh, and that's going to be fun. So anyway, that's what th- that's what's going on. We got other stuff happening toward the uh, front end of 2019. So uh, if you're going to be at any of these conferences, uh, I'm going to be at the uh, San Francisco Writers Conference. Um, next i guess that's sheesh i can't remember any of them <laughs> but i'm going to be there and if you're going to be at the san francisco writers conference let me know we got other events coming up on the west coast too i'm trying to pepper us into the west coast uh kind of negate the smash words presence there um i think people are getting a little tired of of smash words anyway so Happy to fill that void. Uh, this week's blog post, by the way, on draftedigital.com slash blog is Indie Like You. If you get a chance, go read that and comment on that. I um, What I did was I, I wrote sort of a love letter uh, to Drafted Digital. You know, I, I love the company. Um, I was I start off, I start the whole post by saying that I'm a, a DDD fanboy, and I am. Um, it's, been, it's just been a, a fantastic experience for me. If you are an indie author and you're looking to go wide, uh, this is to, this is truly the best way to go. Now there are advantages and disadvantages to any uh, aggregator, and uh, Draft Digital's no exception to that because we've got our we have our strengths and we have our weaknesses. Uh, and the thing about us is we're continuously working on the weaknesses. Like we're working on uh, shifting this so that we are uh, producing something a little a little higher end with each passing year um that's that's our that's our modus operandi <laughs> that's our mo um so you know for example you know we we know that we don't hit every storefront that everyone wants um we're working on that though and there are some out there it's re- it's been a challenge google play for example has been a challenge because they the our problem with google play is that they will randomly adjust pricing to just whatever they want and uh, they they have an automated system that is geared around the idea of beat out Amazon. So you end up in this perpetual cycle of, you know, Amazon lowers your price without your control. Google lowers the price to beat Amazon. Amazon won't be outmatched, so it lowers its price. And you end up going to zero as quick as possible, and you get nothing. So what's the, uh, what's the advantage there? Uh, that's just one of the troubles of, of Google Play. We know some uh, groups are out there. Uh, they've, they've figured out how to get Google play to work and they're kind of cheating the system, breaking the rules a little, uh, we're going to figure something out on our end and and get this going. We already have a contract with Google play. We've just, we've been waiting. Uh, we've been trying to get Google to address some of the concerns we have so that we're delivering something our authors can use that isn't going to rip them off somehow. (laughs) So, so, you know, if we don't have a, uh, a channel sales channel really it's because we're vetting it <laughs> honestly i mean if we don't have a sales channel it's because we're trying to protect you from something we uh we think is going to be a problem um 
some people want to roll the dice. We get that. So we're, we're working on little things like that. Um, other, you know, some of the services out there are uh, offering features. Uh, one in particular. So there is a, there is a provider, uh, an aggregator, that's now offering a, uh, you'll know who they are if you follow this. Uh, if you don't, if you don't already follow this, um, I don't really want to, I don't know if I want to give them any free play here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just talk about Publish Drive. Uh, Publish Drive is, has rolled out a service where uh, you would pay like a hundred bucks and uh, you'd get all of your royalties. Instead of them taking a cut of your royalties, you get all your royalties. Now, if you're a big roller in this, uh, there's an advantage to this. Like if, you've, if you're making more than a thousand a month um, on book sales through these guys, there could be some advantages there. Uh, so I could see where that would appeal to that group. Um, here's the problem. <laughs> we've, we've done the math on this. Now, they got a big stipend from Google like a $10 million grant or something. Um, and that's how they're doing this. They're basically taking a loss uh, in order to attract as many authors as they can. We, we, we've kind of looked. They've, they've more or less uh, built their business model around what they observed us doing right. Uh, we've, we've figured it out. Um, but we, we've also figured out that there's no way that this is sustainable. In fact, it's going to crash at some point. It, we've seen this kind of thing happen before. And what they'll do is attract enough authors over to make, you know, their, their hope is that they get all the big name authors to come over. And then uh, down the way, they can uh, change the terms of this service or whatever, and they'll already have those authors in. Because there's no way for them to become to be profitable and to remain profitable uh, I mean, just do the math. Do the very basic math. You're charging a hundred bucks instead of charging ten percent. Okay. Now, if your if your authors are only making around a thousand dollars, then everybody's coming out pretty even. If your authors are making thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars a month on book sales or more, uh, and you're only making a hundred bucks, right? So you don't see any growth. You end up you end up folding. And the problem is <laughs> when that happens, now the whole system has been damaged by this. So, you know, potentially, you know, maybe draft to digital can't compete and it, and it goes under. I don't think that's going to happen. We, we like to diversify. So uh, we'll, we're going to be okay. So we're already building the tools that it's going to take to handle the influx of authors. We learned from our pronoun experience when pronoun went down because they were doing things nobody else could match and it was essentially taking advantage of Macmillan's uh, deal with Amazon and when Amazon finally called him on it and shut it down Macmillan shut down pronoun that's what happened and the same thing same sort of thing's going to happen with uh, this service because you can't continuously charge only a hundred dollars uh, from the handful of authors who are making you know big money and expect your business to, to keep going <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we'd lose a lot of money doing that ourselves. We, we can't match that deal. Uh, and we wouldn't try to because we know ultimately it's going to be damaging to people. Sorry. It is. And it really, I mean, it really is. It's going to eventually uh, cause chaos. The authors who move over to take advantage of that program will find themselves suddenly having to shift gears all over again and go back to draft to digital or whoever they were using before. And, um, or go direct or whatever. So you get, 
you get no real advantage other than a small window of maximizing your profits. And for some, that's that's totally worth it. I'd say, though, that if you're not making 10000 or more a month uh, in uh, book sales, there's really no point at all in throwing $100 at these guys um, each month. And ultimately, it's just going to burn out and they're going to have to do something else to, to keep their business going. So so the, the point of that is... Um, there's a lot of opportunity for growth and uh, expansion and innovation in this business. And uh, draft to digital is always looking at, at how it can uh, up the game. Go check out my post, my little love letter post. Go to, uh, if you go to di- draft digital.com slash blog right now, it's the featured post. But if you go to slash blog slash indie dash like dash you, and that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the full URL. Indie like you, if you if you go look that up, uh, take a look. Because what I did was um, I wrote about what I think is the why of draft to digital And I think our why stems from uh, the important fact that we are just like you. I mean, I'm an indie author. Mark Lefebvre is an indie author. Aaron Pogue, one of our founders, is, the, is an indie author. But then we got a bunch of indie-spirited guys and gals uh, on staff, you know, who are not authors, but who have, who embody that same spirit. You know, they're, they are writers of code. They are writers of, uh, support, author support. We get support requests for, from people who aren't even our customers. We can't help them usually, <laughs> but someone has a problem with Amazon or someone has a problem with Apple or whatever. They hear through the grapevine that, you know, we're a good source of information. So they come and ask for our help. We often can't help them unless they're, unless they're distributing through us. Um, but you know, if we can, we will. I've helped plenty of people resolve problems uh, whenever I could. So we have some amazing people on the team. That's that was the point of that post, and uh, I'm really excited about what we're doing. You know, we got some cool stuff coming up over the over the uh, for the rest of the year. We're going to be doing a lot of releases. Uh, I now at Nink, I announced D2D Print. I announced. Um, ddd shared universes but we and so we've got that stuff going and then a whole bunch of new stuff besides so be sure you're checking us out be sure you're uh, signed up for draft to digital so you can get our uh, if you sign up for an account you'll be on our mailing list that's really a good way to go you don't there's no obligations there there's no you don't have to distribute through us at all you don't have to use us at all but you might want to have an account ready because uh it makes it a lot easier when <laughs> when one of these other services folds or whatever we saw it with pronoun we saw it i mean pronoun went under unexpectedly and with a very fast announcement uh right as we were adding amazon as one of our sales channels and man we had a rough few months (laughs) trying to make sure it was taken care of and we got through it and everybody ended up better off and uh that's great but you know it just shows. I mean, we we are very tied into this industry. That's one of the reasons why we brought Mark on. That's one of the reasons I'm on. Dan is very Dan Wood is very um, threaded into the pulse of uh, the industry. We all know the community and the industry because we are all indies ourselves, and uh, we understand how this works, and we understand how the business itself works, and we can tell you at a glance that model's not going to work. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> that will be okay. Uh, we will tell you. So anyway, um, exciting stuff. So 
I uh, hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wordslinger Podcast. I actually had some technical difficulty. If you noticed a shift in the posi- camera position and lighting and that sort of thing on the YouTube channel, uh, it came because, <laughs> because uh, I don't know, man. I keep upgrading equipment and spending money on new gear and then end up with a worse product. And I don't understand what's happening there. <laughs> I end up with... You know, I, I effectively quadrupled the uh, processing power and RAM that I was using on a computer to produce this. Uh, I got a whole new system, much more powerful than what I was using originally, and I've had more hangups and more glitches because of that. <laughs> Maybe I was just better off. So uh, anyway, take care of yourselves. I hope you're having a great time. God bless you. I'm probably going to be around next week, but just in case, I'll see you next time. And I hope you have a fantastic weekend, week ahead. God bless you in your careers and everything you do. And I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Wordslinger Podcast. Now, you can support this show by visiting wordslingerpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find back episodes, books by me, and links to anything and everything Wordslinger. And be sure to subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. I'm Kevin Tomlinson. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.